Uh, we are going to be looking today in Genesis chapter, let's see, 13, verse number 10. So if you want to look there in your Bible, you can do that. Genesis is the easy one to find. Very first book in the Bible, so uh, you can turn there if you would like to. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to, you know, it's just been strange to me. The, the older I get, the more I realize that I am becoming more and more, I used to think I was becoming more and more like my parents. I'm becoming more and more like my grandparents. You know, I'm like like an old guy all of a sudden. And I, I there's some things that happen now, and I watch it on the news, and I think, man, that's just absolutely crazy what's happening to our world. And one thing that just drives me insane um, you know, not that y'all want to know this, but I'm, I'm going to share a couple things with you anyway. One is that political correctness, the older I get, the less politi- politically correct I want to be. And, uh, and I think the thing is, it's the whole idea of, you know, that we all just simply need to get along. I'm all for that. I like peace. I don't like conflict. don't like fighting and all that stuff. But whenever, you know, whenever you're right, and uh, we got to act like that everybody else is right too, I, I have a problem with that. And uh, this is um, this is also true concerning you know, matters of matters of faith and what I believe and what I believe Scripture points out to us uh, about our God. I, there's so many times when I hear people tell me they'll they'll say you know it doesn't matter what God you're praying to because eventually we're all praying to the same God anyway. And and, I, and then I look in the Bible and I begin to read Scripture and I was like, does the Bible even say that? I mean, is that even an accurate statement according to Scripture? Now, our series for the next several weeks is, is the, you know, obviously the names of God. And as you go through the Bible, there's a lot of different names that are used for God. And the name that we're, we're discussing today is the name El Elyon. And uh, it's on the front of your bulletin. I, we just stuck with the Hebrew terms because it makes me look smart, you know, that I could, yeah, El Elyon. Like, I don't speak Hebrew, but I want you all to think I do. But that name literally means... God Most High. It means God Supreme. And that right there is a, it's a politically incorrect term for God today. Uh, because if what the Bible's telling us is that the God of Scripture is God Supreme. That, that means He's number one. That means that He is the best. That He is the only. And the Bible teaches us this all throughout Scripture. Um, it tells us in Deuteronomy 6.4, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The very first of the Ten Commandments tells us that you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, Jesus himself said in John 14.6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so today we're looking at the name of God, El Elyon, which is God supreme. And if what God says about himself, that he's supreme, if that's true then it's going to affect the way that we live our lives. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the name God Most High. It's used in the story of Abraham and Lot. Now, in your Bible, it's going to say Abram and Lot. And I told you all this, last, I guess, last week. I'm just going to call him Abraham because God changed his name later, and it gets confusing for me. I can't keep up with it. So even though your Bible says Abram, I'm going to say Abraham. And so anyway, this, this term for God, God Most High, it is used... 238 times in the Old Testament, and it testifies to the supremacy of the God of the Bible. And in our text today, we're going to see how this name should affect the way we live. So again, we're going to look in Genesis 13, verses 10 and following. Uh, 
before you get there, a little background information. Genesis chapter 12 is when God speaks to Abraham. And he tells Abraham he's living in the land of Ur, uh, which uh, many people believe that's like modern-day Iraq. We're not real sure, but it could be in that area. God speaks to Abraham, and he tells Abraham, I want you to leave your homeland, move south, or move, or, or it could be moving, uh, move west, and I want you to go to the land of Canaan. And when you go there, God told him, I'm going to make you and your people into a great nation. God told him, I'm going to take your offspring." And they are going to rise up and be a great people. Now that's an incredible promise that God gives Abraham. Now the thing that's really interesting about this promise is that when God gave him this promise, Abraham's 75 years old. And Abraham's wife is just a few years younger and they don't have kids at this point. So I think we could all say this was a very big promise God gave. But Abraham was obedient. He got people left. And he had a nephew named Lot who said, hey, if God's going to bless, Lot says, I want to go with you. And so it's really neat to see the kind of faith that these two men had. But when they got to the land of of Canaan, Abraham said, I want you to choose where you're going to go, Lot, and I'll go the opposite direction. And it's here that we see that they, they go in two different ways once they arrive there. And we see how the name El Elyon, God Most High, affected their lives, and it should affect our lives as well. Well, how should it affect our lives? Well, here's, here's what, we have to, what we discover in Scripture today. Knowing that God's name is God Most High, it should affect our lives in this way, first of all, that we should walk by faith and not by sight. If God is God supreme, if God is God Most High, that should give us confidence to trust God and walk by faith and not necessarily by just what we see. Now, I'm going to read to you quite a few verses here. In chapter 13, verse number 10, it says this. They, they arrive in the land of Canaan. It says, Lot looked out and saw that the entire Jordan Valley, as far as Zoar, was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden in the land of Egypt. And this was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is now where the Dead Sea is in Israel. And so Lot chose the entire Jordan Valley for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities of the valley and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, and they're sinning greatly against the Lord. And after Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look from the place where you are, look north and south, east and west, for I'll give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. And I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if one could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. He said, get up and walk from one end of the land to the other, for I will give it to you. Uh, that's, That's a lot to read there. Now what God did is God gave this promise to Abraham, said, I, I want you to leave your homeland, go to, go to Israel, go to Canaan, and God said, when you get there, you know what I'm going to do for you? He said, I'm going to fill up this land with your people. And he said, and your people are going to become a nation. You're going to become a nation. And Abraham and Lot, they were obedient to God, and they got up and they left. Now, and they, they moved, they moved. This is such a gutsy move on their part, it's hard to describe. And here's why it's such a big deal for Abraham and Lot to get up and leave. 
Abraham and Lot did not have the history of, of faith like we do today. Now, understand this. Abraham and Lot did not have the Bible back then. You know, it's not like they could say, well, let's look and see what Scripture has to say. Only thing they heard, they just simply heard God speak to them. They didn't have, you know, say, well, you remember how God worked with Moses? They didn't have that yet. And so they, the only thing they hear is just simply God's voice, and they respond in obedience to God. I mean, unbelievable stuff when you really think about it like that. And when they get there, God had already blessed them. They were, they were wealthy men. They arrived there. Their, their animals are so many that, that finally Lot just says, or Abraham says to Lot, he says, you know, we've got to divide up. He said, you need to go into a different place so that our animals can survive. He said, but you get to choose first. And here's where their paths begin to diverge. He says, Lot, you get to choose first. Lot looks out, and in southern Israel, when you look out, y'all, it is, it is not real pretty. I mean, it is dusty. There's not a whole lot of green. It's a desert. And so Lot looks out, but in the midst of the desert, he sees an oasis. He sees a strip of green land. And Lot says this. He looks out there, and he says, I'm going to go there. Now, on the surface, it's a good decision. Economically, it makes sense. I mean, if you have a bunch of animals, you want them to eat. If you have a bunch of animals, you want them to be able to drink. And so he says, I want to go there. Now, here's where the problem was for Lot. Lot was walking by sight and not by faith. He was looking at what he thought was best for him, and he chose to live by what he saw. Now, on the surface, you could say, well, you can't blame the guy. I mean, this makes, this makes sense. It's kind of a logical decision that he made. But the problem is, is, is you'll see that he never one time asked God what he wanted him to do. He never approached God and said, God, you know, where, where should I go? And you might say, well, that's a no-brainer. You go where the, the grass is green. But, but who is God? What's God's name? It says he's God most high. And if he's God most high and if he's God supreme, then that should impact the kind of decisions that we make in life. Don't you think that God most high, God supreme, is worth approaching and talking to? Because he might know more than you do. The Bible says that. It tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Here's what I've discovered about myself. God's name means most high. But too many times I've ascribed that title to myself. Instead of God being most high, I look at myself as being most high. And so I base my decisions off what's pleasing to me instead of seeking after the leadership of God in Scripture and in prayer. And so I end up playing a, a lot of life without a full deck of cards. You know, just, my, just the cards I've got, not God's. And then whenever everything begins to collapse around me, I look around thinking, man, what in the world's going on here? What happened? On the surface, Lot made a good choice. He chose fertile land. He chose, you know, he chose to live in the city and not live way out in the country. But there's an underlying problem. In verse 13, it says, the people of Sodom were wicked. 
Now, it could, it could be that Lot thought, well, they might be wicked, but that's not going to affect me. You know, I can handle that myself. And so he moves, he and his family, right in the middle of trouble. And that choice he made without the leadership of God turned out to be a devastating choice. In chapter 14, we're going to go there in just a few moments, what ends up happening to Lot is he ends up being kidnapped. Now, guys, let me tell you something. When we live by sight and not by faith, this world will kidnap us. Kidnap our values. Kidnap the things that that we've grown up with, maybe with our families, that we found to be so important. And we begin to look at everything from, from our worldview instead of God's worldview. Well, we sacrifice a whole lot of things in our life that should never be sacrificed. And we find ourselves in places we should never be, just like Lot. So the question for us today is, are you going to choose to follow the God who's called Most High? Or are you going to choose to follow yourself? Because if you follow yourself and you follow your own direction, you're going to end up like Lot. You're going to end up in trouble. There's a story about a plane taking off from Miami to Cali, Colombia. And they, they set the autopilot and they were setting it to, you know, to, to Rozo, R-O-Z-O. That was the setting. They're going to autopilot right into Cali. The pilot accidentally, though, instead of typing in Rosa, put in Romeo. And he thought he was heading into Cali, Colombia. He's actually flying 145 miles east of Cali, Colombia. But he thought he was going to Cali. And he never changed the altitude of his plane. Well, 145 miles east, there's a big mountain range. And so they never adjusted for that mountain range, and they flew that plane right into the side of a mountain. Everybody on board lost their life. Whenever NTSB looked at it, they said, well, obviously this was pilot error. They said he he chose the wrong destination. And because of it, cost him his life and everybody else's. Guys, whenever we seek after ourselves, we are choosing the wrong destination and there's a price to pay for it. In Romans 8, 6, it says the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit leads to, leads to peace and it leads to life. Now, knowing God's most high, it should affect our living. We're going to walk by faith, not by sight. Why? Because God is most high. He sees everything. God's most high is going to affect our living in this, that we're going to trust God is always faithful. If God's most high, then we can, we can relax. Say, so you know what, I'm going to trust God's most high, that he's always faithful. Now, I want you to look in chapter 14, and we're going to read two verses, verses 11 and 12. This is after they've been in the land of Israel for a while, and it says, The four kings took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, this is where Lot lived, and all their food and went on. And they also took Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, for he was living in Sodom, and they went, they went, um, they went on. Now, again, it's an incredible story to look at Abraham and to see that he was willing to leave his homeland to go into this new place because of a promise that came from God. And Lot says, I want to come with you. And that speaks very well of Lot's faith. It speaks very highly of it. And yet there had to be that point when they, when they go into this land, they're looking around, and, and God's promised one day it's going to be yours. Your family is going to populate this nation. And they had to feel pretty good about that. I mean, wouldn't that be neat? You know, you go into a new area and you think, these people don't know it, but we're taking over. You know, these people don't understand it, but, you know, God has blessed us. I just think that's neat. 
And not that you don't want to be cocky about it, although that'd be hard for me not to do, especially my wife, because she's you know she's very cocky. Uh, so uh, anyway, those guys they they go into that they go into that area and they're looking around. And they think it's just you know it's it's awesome. So everything's kind of working out. They're they're wealthy. Their animals are <clears throat> their herds are growing. Uh, things are going good. Then a monkey wrench gets thrown into the middle of all their plants. What happens? Lot gets kidnapped. And, man, it looks like an insurmountable problem. It says it was four kings who went to war on Sodom and Gomorrah, and they end up taking Lot. They, they kidnap him. Now, Abraham's one guy. And at this point, it had to, it had to burst their bubble when this happened, because they had to be thinking, we're going to take this place over, and then all of a sudden Lot gets kidnapped. And it's like, what, what happened to God? You God, you promised us this land, and now... Bad stuff starting to happen here? Whoa. And I would not have blamed Abraham one bit if Abraham would have looked at this whole situation and said, whoops, I was wrong. You know, I thought I had a vision from God, but it was a bad burrito. You know, this was not, this was not a vision from God. You know, I came here, and, uh, and man, I'm, I'm leaving. It's time for us to pack up and go back to our homeland. And it could have been one of those things where he looked at Lot and said, tough luck for Lot, but we're out of here. Now, there's, I think there's a really an important lesson for Christians in verses 11 and 12. And, and here's what it is. And there's a couple of them. We'll, we'll address them separately here. First of all, uh, the first lesson I think that we can learn, uh, learn from this is that uh, for one, as believers, there's this idea that if we become followers of God, that everything in life is going to be nice and breezy. That we're never going to face any problems in life. And when God, when God gives us a promise, he's God most high, then we're just going to sort of float right through this life and everything's going to be good. And that sounds so good. I'm all for that happening. But guys, let me tell you something. That ain't life. That doesn't happen. And God's very honest about this. He said there's a lot of tough stuff that happens in this life. Jesus said in John 16, he said, in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. He's honest. Now, why do we have trouble in this world? Because of sin. Because of, because of bad choices we make. And guys, let me tell you something. There are consequences that come with the bad decisions that we make. And it's a reminder to me that we need a Savior. Everything's not always going to turn up roses for you. Now, I'm not saying this to you so that you're going to become a pessimist and that you're going to look and see, I wonder how life's going to screw me around this today. That's not my, that's not, I'm not, I want you to leave here like that. I want you to leave here, though, knowing that even though there's junk that happens in this life, that the junk in this life does not have power over our God. Who is our God? El Elyon. He is God most high. He is God supreme. And even in the midst of loss, even in the midst of not everything going perfectly for us, we have a God who tells us that regardless, we have a future in Him. And I think that's cool. And here's another thing that I want you to see. And I, and I believe this too. I, I get concerned about us as followers because I believe many times whenever followers of God encounter difficulty, our first instinct is to quit. Our first instinct is to give up. You know, someone can make fun of us for holding to certain beliefs that we have, or we make a stand and, and say that we are going to be pure. We're going to be obedient to God. And the people begin to ridicule us, and, 
And so we want to acquiesce to them because we don't want people to think we're weird. And so we let our, we let our, our values slide. Or, or as we go along through life, we, we face trials and there's bad stuff that just sort of happens to us. And we get angry at God and we're like, hey God, what's up with that? You know, I was obedient to you and yet I'm still facing hardship. And so we become angry at God and we say, I quit. God, I'm not going to live for you anymore. I'm going to live as I please. And then even good stuff can happen that can separate us from God. You know, maybe a house comes on the market and we think that's exactly what I want or there's a new job that arrives that's going to pay more. But, you know, we don't have a peace about it. But because we're looking out for ourselves more than God, see, well, I know that I don't have a peace about this, but it's going to mean more for me. And so we go after it, ignoring God. Now, now, what are we doing whenever we do those types of things? What we're doing is we are, we're ignoring God. And we're forgetting that God is good. And we're forgetting that God is always faithful. In our text, there's a trial that pops up for Abraham and Lot. I mean, it's, this is a, it's a serious trial. But here's what was able to get Abraham through that trial. God made a promise to Abraham. The promise will make you into a great nation. I'm going to take care of you. And folks, when God makes a promise, let me tell you something. He keeps his promises. He keeps his word. And knowing this should make it easier for us to follow God's leadership even when it's not popular. Even when we take flack for it because we know God is true. I, I've told this story before. I, I like this story. There's a missionary couple. They've been serving in Africa for over 40 years. It's a true story. Over 40 years. Early 20th century. They're coming home after 40 years. They didn't have a pension plan back then. They're tired. They're sick. They don't know how they're going to survive when they get back home. But they're riding the ship back. And on that same boat is President Teddy, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. He's coming back from a hunting trip in Africa. Whenever they come into the harbor in New York, Roosevelt gets off the ship, and man, there's a ticker tape parade. People are going nuts, cheering. The mayor's there. The band's playing. Everybody's excited. And then the missionary couple comes off right after the president. And as they get off, the band's not playing anymore. There's no ticker tape parade. There's nobody there to greet them. And the husband, this godly missionary man, he gets ticked off, which I, I kind of like that because I was like, that's, that's honest. And he looks over his wife, and they're walking down the street, and he's like, can you believe that? So the president comes back from a hunting trip, and everybody's cheering him. He said, we come back after giving our life to a group of people who really didn't even know us when we went there. And we come home, and nobody cares. And he's kind of bitter about it. He said, no, nobody said hello to us. And he just keeps griping. And his wife is kind of getting tired of him talking. And so she says, you know what you need to do? She, Why don't you just go talk to God about this? And he's like, I think I will. So they get to a hotel room, and, and he's mad. And so he just goes off, and he starts praying. And he starts complaining to God. Y'all, if you need to complain to God, go ahead and do it. I mean, if you look at Job. Job's a pretty good complainer. So he starts complaining to God. He says, that's not fair. Now, I spent my life in Africa serving you, and I come home, and nobody welcomes us home. What kind of a deal is that? So he gripes, and he finally gets done praying. He comes back out, and his wife looks at him and she goes, would you talk to God? And he said, I did. 
he said, well, did God say anything to you? And he kind of hangs his head down and he goes, yep, he did. And what did he say? He said, just in my spirit, God reminded me, I ain't home yet. Philippians 3.20 tells us our citizenship is in heaven. And whenever we're looking for everybody to pat us on the back and cheer for us here, guys, it's sitting in our home. Our home is in heaven. And knowing God is most high and that he's supreme, it should affect the way that we live in that we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. We're walking by faith saying, God, I believe you have a place for me. And it's not here, but in heaven. I believe that God is most high. It's going to affect the way that I live. And I'm going to trust God's faithful. He's going to keep his word. And this is the last thing I want you to see. And this is a, this is a short point. But it's kind of interesting to me. God's most high is going to affect us in our living. And that we're going to be prepared to act when God calls. Now, if you look over in chapter 14, verse number 14, it says, When Abram heard that his relative had been taken prisoner, he assembled his 318 trained men, born in his household, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan, which is northern Israel. And it says, And he and his servants deployed against them by night. They attacked them, pursued them as far as Hobah, to the north of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods and also his relative Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the other people. Now, there's a strange myth out there uh, that's been perpetuated for years that Christians, that followers of Jesus, that any time they face confrontation, they just sort of roll over and just let people beat the tar out of them. And, you know, it's because, I mean, because we're supposed to be people of peace, which I agree. I'm, y'all, I'm not up here saying that we're supposed to be belligerent jerks. I don't, don't y'all think that. But there will be a people of peace, and if anybody infringes on our territory, if people begin to push us, then what we're supposed to do as Christians is we're supposed to just sort of get on our knees and say, go ahead, step on me. Um, it's okay. And people expect that from us. They expect us to be rolled over because they think, well, the Christians aren't going to do anything anyway. But let me tell you this. There are times when God will call his people to stand and not sit back. Look at this story, verses 14 through 16. Lot is taken prisoner. What did Abraham do? Did Abraham say, tough luck, Lot? Did he say, the odds are against us? Nope. What did he do? He got men from his household, 318 of them, and he said, boys, we're going to go fight. We're going to go after these men who've taken one of ours. We're going to go to battle. That's interesting to me. Now, the odds didn't look too good. But there's something that Abraham had that the other men didn't have. You know what it was? He had God on his side. And folks, if God is on our side, that's all we need. I don't care what the world looks like. If God is on our side, He's all we need. Why? Because of his name. What is his name? He is God Most High. Not only that, Abraham was prepared. Notice it says that his men, they were trained. In other words, they were prepared to fight. They had weapons. They were ready to go to war. They knew how to use those weapons. Believers, for us today, if we are going to live godly lives in this world today, we better be prepared. We better be armed. What do we need to be armed with? We need to be armed with the Word of God. We need to know what God's Word says. We need to apply it to our lives. That's why it's important. 
We become part of small groups where we, where we teach Scripture, just read it and see what it has to say for us and pray for each other. That's why it's important that we come into the church so that we can acknowledge and, and, and pray to the God that we believe has come here to be our Lord and our Savior. Be trained. Let me tell you something. If your hope is in Jesus, that's all you need. Abraham's hope it was, in, it was in God. Because it was in God, he saw victory. He's able to go get Lot and come back home and say, God, I'm going to wait and see what you're going to do. You said you're going to make us to a great nation. I'm going to trust that's what you're going to do. Believers, what, what do you believe about God for you? What, I mean, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about God for this church? Who are you trusting? You trust yourself, you trust in God most high. Psalm 27, one of my favorite verses, says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses. It says, But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Where is your hope today? Is it in you or is it in God Most High? If it's in God Most High, it's going to affect the way you live your life. It's going to affect the way this church functions in this community. If God is Most High... We have nothing to fear. If God is most high, he has victory in store for us to make a difference in the lives of people and the lives of this community.